the worst thing that people in marketing do, the worst thing that people in business do is they think to themselves, what do I think is good? What do I think would be a compelling campaign? What do I think would be a funny campaign? And the hints to all you, all the marketers out there, nobody cares what you think. That should have no impact on your decisions. There's caveats to this, but largely it doesn't matter if you think that's funny or if you think that's engaging or you think that's a compelling call to action. None of that matters. You are not the market. Welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast with business strategist, speaker and author Gavin Preston. Tap into this meeting of minds between everyday business people on their journey to master business growth. Join them as they share strategies, insights, and shortcuts to help you survive and thrive in business and life as you scale your business and achieve a bigger impact. Hi, guys. Gavin here. Welcome back to the Business Mastermind Podcast. Today, Paxton Gray. He's the CEO of 97th Floor, recently taken over as a 33-year-old CEO of a digital marketing agency. He's been in the game of digital marketing since early days back in 2007. But today's conversation, we're going to hear about their philosophy of ROW, results only working, how they bring alive Daniel Pink's um, book Drive in terms of the key three things that will create motivation, engagement of autonomy, mastery and purpose and how he brings that alive within 97th floor in order to create a 98% uh, employee retention. The things that he and his team do in terms of maximizing conversion in terms of your digital marketing. Uh, Paxton shares some really effective strategies so you can mine data to be able to understand how to maximize your conversion. Hey, and if data is not your thing, you're going to love this because uh, Paxton shares some uh, tools, some references, some places to go, even some free software that you can go or spreadsheet you can use that can help you map out the uh, what your website ranks for, what other your competition website ranks for, what experts in your space rank for, and then be able to do sort of keyword optimization on that. Yeah, it sounds a bit detailed and it sounds a bit data orientated and some may find that dull, but I walked away from that thinking, whoa, what is so powerful? What, what a great uh, insights. And plus a sneaky peek on how the Google algorithm, search engine algorithm is going to change in 2021. So um, I'm going to jump straight into my interview now with with Paxton Gray of 97th Floor. Hi, and welcome to the Business Mastermind podcast. Today, we're with Paxton. Paxton Gray is the CEO of the 97th Floor. It's an award-winning 15-year-old digital marketing and software agency with clients like Discover, Celebrity Cruises, and Salesforce. You know, he started digital marketing world in 2007, so right in the kind of early days, and been in the 97th Floor since 2013. And um, Paxton serves on the Marketing and Business Education Board and advisor for the Alpine School District and teaches SEO and analytics at Brigham Young University, as well as a featured speaker on a number of stages around the world. I know that Paxton's got a real expertise around data-driven campaigns, which I really want to delve into in the course of this conversation. So, Paxton, welcome to the Business Mastermind Podcast from Utah. Hey, thank you. Excited Excited to be here talking with you. So just a quick history for, for listeners to the show, please do share a little bit about your sort of career background and wow, getting started in 2007, you were early 
doors into this. So was the, I would love to hear your kind of like story and entrance into the world of online and digital marketing at, at, at its early formative years. Sure. Yeah. So my background is kind of mixed and it all leads together into advertising. So I've done uh, a large amount of sales. Uh, I've also studied advertising and uh, marketing is just kind of what I've always wanted to do since I was a kid. Um, I did also have kind of a tech support, web development background, really simple, basic stuff. And uh, I got a job working at this agency that built and hosted websites. And uh, I did tech support for them. So their clients would call in and say, hey, how do I redirect my domain or mess around with the cPanel or email issues? And I would just kind of walk them through how to fix that stuff. So a, a large number of people would call in and say, hey, you guys built this website for me. It's awesome. What, what do I do with this now? And I would just say, I don't know, you know, use it as a website. Uh, <laughs> yeah. So I started to learn about like, okay, well, how do you get people to the site? Uh, I started to learn about A-B testing and uh, uh, learned about SEO and how to, how to rank higher in Google so that I could then, you know, go back and consult them and say, hey, well, here's what you got to do. We need to get, you know, back then it was a different game. It was like, you need to stuff this page with meta keywords or you need to of go course. swap links with someone else yeah, and create yeah, this like yeah. uh this you know go buy some links and uh yeah so it's kind of a different game back then but that's when i first got my taste of digital marketing and uh, and who have been funny. your big influences over the years uh, in terms of that uh, space yeah um you know rand fishkin has played a, a pretty big role uh Back since I think it was like 2010, 2011, I was watching Whiteboard Fridays every Friday. And he just has a way of really engaging uh, uh, the audience with, with easy to digest information. So, you know, I watch those religiously, Whiteboard Fridays. So he, I credit him a lot with, with what I've learned in the digital marketing space. Fantastic. So after that sort of early genesis, uh, learning from yeah. uh, responding to the tech help and usually the advice tech help, support desk help, um, how did you then sort of progress into the more providing the insights, the strategies around digital marketing? What was the next yeah. kind of stage on that journey for you? Yeah. So I, uh, after that role, my plan was to go work at just a big, sexy New York advertising agency. Sure. And uh, I got engaged to a girl who hates the idea of living in a big city. So I started looking around here for agencies and I found 97 floor and uh, 97 floor. Uh, you know, they said they're a digital marketing agency, which wasn't exactly the advertising agency I was looking for, but I thought that sounds cool. And uh, I started working here and I really caught the vision of where digital like was going. I mean, I already had some experience in it, but I didn't think it was going to be as big as it, as it really has become until I started working at 97 floor. So uh, so I, I, I was at nice and floor and I said, man, this is, this is the future. If I just hustle here, I can like really be, be a part of what's, what's going to be happening in the future of business. So, uh, so I, I started nice and floor kind of entry level and, uh, I kind of worked my way up. My main goal was always just how do we provide the most value to our clients, whatever they come asking for great. And we want to do that. Right. But what we really want is to be a partner and to help them grow their business in the ways that they want to grow it. So, uh, with that kind of objective, my plan was always to look around and see like, what other levers can we pull here? What other things can we do that no one in the room is thinking about to achieve the desired outcome that is in align alignment with the goals of the business. 
And through that, you know, we've started several new teams at Nice and Floor over the past uh, seven years since I've been here that, that kind of are about that idea of how do we add more value to, to our clients, be more of a partner rather than like a fulfillment execution only. Uh, so, so yeah, that's, that's kind of been the journey and, and yeah, I just, uh, it, it was just this month actually that I took over as, as CEO. So fantastic. Congratulations. Kind of Thank you. Thank you. Yeah. So you've worked your way up obviously within the team. Um, what's the sort of mental process that you've gone through to that shift to stepping up? Presumably previously you were in charge of a team or a part of 97th floor. Mm-hmm. Now it's your show. You, you're responsible ultimately for the P&L and the delivery of the bottom line and the growth. Mm-hmm. How have you adapted, shifted your thinking to make sure that you are now living up to living into the role of CEO. Yeah, it's fascinating. It's been, it's been an interesting experience. Uh, I think many people struggle and I struggled with the transition from execution to leadership. And, you know, we always just want to, you know, new leaders always just want to do things themselves and they feel like I I can do it faster. I can do it better. And that's probably true. You can probably do it faster and better, but long-term, you're crippling the people that work with you by not yeah. allowing them to, to uh, do these things and become better themselves. So that, that was <clears throat> kind of a difficult transition. Um, but the, the biggest thing has just been around alignment, making sure that everyone in the company is pointed in the same direction so that the agency can move forward quickly. You know, there are a lot of great companies full of a lot of great people, but they're all kind of pointing in different directions. And that really slows an organization down. Everyone can kind of head in the same direction and then be allowed the autonomy to do what they feel is best as long as they're pointing that direction. That's key. So setting that vision and empowering people in the organization to make decisions that are just pointed in that same direction uh, has kind of been my biggest focus over the past a little while. And it's, it's been working out. It's been working out. So, uh, so yeah, it's been, it's been an interesting experience uh, a, a while ago. Uh, someone our COO at 97 floor. He, he told me years ago, he's like, Hey, uh, I, I think you're smart and I think you know what you're doing. So I'm going to tell you, just stick your nose where it doesn't belong. Stick your nose in other people's business. And you have my full blessing to go in and do whatever you want. So for years, actually, I acted <laughs> as though I was the CEO and I just made my opinion known. And I kind of stuck my nose in other people's business and tried to help the agency grow. So it kind of has been my mentality to just kind of own what our company is doing, even though that wasn't fully my job at the time. Yeah, yeah. but demonstrating your capability before you're actually doing it. So it's now your watch. (laughs) And boy, what a time to take over the watch. (laughs) Yeah. So do you have, you know, you've got this step up where, first of all, you're going, okay, now for real, it is my show. It, yeah. it is the bottom line I am now responsible for. And I've got shareholders or, in, um, you know, um, stakeholders that are, in, that are requiring me to deliver. Oh, and we're in the middle of this great uh, pandemic and uh, massive impact globally. So you creating alignment and direction in a, in a, in a world of incredible uncertainty what I'm interested to know what goes through your mind. How do you overcome that? understandable potential um, for you shit yeah what a time uh-huh. to take over <laughs> yeah. to the point of being able to provide a clarity on a vision and create alignment yeah so my initial reaction was preservation you know we have to just get through this 
Um, and it, it was a little bit into that mindset that I thought this is the wrong mindset. We, we shouldn't be preserving what we've got. We need to continue building despite this. Love that. And we had, fortunately we have a uh, uh, good cash reserves. We, we are very uh, responsible when our, with our finances. And so we haven't had to lay anyone off because of COVID and we have a hundred people here. So a hundred people get to keep their jobs. And uh, so that's great. Preservation is kind of taking care of itself. We need to think, what can we do better here? And it's been interesting. It's this whole experience has been a little bit of a rallying cry for the agency and uh, our retention rates are better than they've ever been. And the results that we're getting kind of are better than we've ever had. Uh, retention of clients. Of clients. Yep. Yeah, yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. And uh, so, which is just something that I did not think was going to happen. Um, yeah. I thought for sure we'd lose a pretty big chunk. And yeah, there were some that, that had to cancel, but um, the team really just said, here's, a, here's something like, this is a time that I need to give it my best. And they really did. Uh, we, we've also been fortunate in that for years, we've been operating under a system called ROW. It's a results only work environment. And so what that is, is a, it's a philosophy of business management that basically says employees should only be judged only on uh, the results they produce. Do they or do they not get the job done? That's all a manager and a leader should care about. The leader should not care about where they are, how often they're working, how hard they're working, any of that. All that matters is, did you do the job, right? So we've That's been not doing rocket that science, is it? You know, that having that output focus rather than task or input focus yeah. is the way it should be. Oh, 100%. But, but I, I don't know whether you, you'd heard. I heard a story of a, um, a company in the US that had remote workers and they, they got their IT department to build a bit of code so that they checked into their video. I don't know how legal yes. it is. Yes. Every 15 minutes to make sure that member of their team was sat at their, their, their laptop. You go, what? Yeah, it just seems so juvenile, you know? Uh, you you employ adults who manage to live their adult life outside of your company. Why would you not let them continue to be adults in your company? Just let them know what the objective is, what the goal is, and then let them make that happen, right? And so uh, Dan Pink's book, Drive. Oh, yeah. In fact, I have Great a book. copy of it. Yeah, right here. Right. Motivation 2.0. Yeah, brilliant book. Yeah. Uh, that's, that's had a big impact on our organization. You know, people Good. need autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Yeah. So helping them get those things and, and that autonomy is so important. Just met, letting them know what the objective is and then giving them the autonomy and the resources to do what they need to do is key. And, and frankly, I mean, honestly, as, as, a, as a manager, it makes things so much easier. I'm sure. not having to approve vacation time. I don't have to approve, you know, time off for the dentist. You know, if I look up and I don't see someone at their desk, it doesn't even enter my head to think, where are they? What are they doing? I just have my dashboards and I've, we have, you know, everyone has KPIs that they're supposed to hit and I can just see like, how are things going? Who's, who's so, a little weak, who's strong. And so do you have kind of like a, an accountability process or one-to-one -one if somebody's, if you do red, amber, green, and somebody's on amber or red, you pick that up and do you, when you, you take the steps to get them back onto green? Exactly. Yep. It allows, it allows me and, and my, my VPs to hone in on who seems to be struggling and needs the most help right now rather than spending time with everybody all the time, right? And kind of spreading it really thin, we can just hone in on what needs to be fixed and where are the problems. 
So everyone so in the organization you, has their KPIs and goals yeah. and, and are measured accordingly. So if you're starting from the promise, the premise, sorry, the premise of results, focus, and of autonomy, what's the impact on engagement and uh, of employees then? Yeah. Um, the the well, number one, our retention rate is just stellar for employees. Um, I think we probably have about two people quit a year. Right. Um, out of 100. So that's pretty dang good. It's very good. Um, so, so that helps, you know, you know, they can live their life. If there's someone who likes to come to the office, they come in the office. If they don't, then they don't. And, and, but they all get to do their job the way they want. So that helps with retention. Um, it also uh, helps them to innovate when it comes to efficiency because they're given this task and they're not measured on time, right? Where in most organizations, you have your tasks you're given and you say, yeah, you have eight hours to do this. Well, if you could figure out a way to do it in two hours, what's the, like, why would you do that, right? But within our organization, if you could figure out how to do that in two hours, well, boom, you got six extra hours that you can spend with your family, doing whatever you want, right? So everyone is kind of intrinsically incentivized to find more efficient and better ways of doing things because they're going to be rewarded almost instantly for having innovated. So that, that creates a lot of engagement around finding ways to do things that, that are better and that are faster. Uh, so that helps. I will just, say... I just want to pick up on that point, though. So yeah. normally when that happens and they get incredibly creative and comes up ways innovating, the investors, the stakeholders will say, wow, we can get loads more out of them. So actually... <laughs> Uh, now you've showed me how you can do it in two. You've now only got two hours to do that because I'm now going to pile loads more on you. So how mm-hmm. how do you maximize efficiencies both for the employee and you know the, the bottom line yeah. of the business? And I guess not. <laughs> I'm going to say I don't be speak like this to the podcast, but not take the piss out of their creativity. You know, how do you get that balance right? Right. So uh, we pair this row system with another system that we've built that we call the buffer system. Okay. So most agencies, you know, they land a big client, they staff up for that client, the client leaves and they fire a bunch of people. And it's just like this churn, right? Especially at advertising agencies, traditional advertising agencies, there's a lot of churn. And we thought, well, we don't want to be that kind of agency. We want to, if we have good talent and and a big account leaves, we want to retain that talent. So we built this system called uh, the buffer system. And effectively, uh, when a client comes on, a certain percentage of their budget is allocated for things like payroll. The team, through their efficiency, can uh, accomplish the goals that are laid out in the contract with the client with less than what was allocated. And most businesses, that difference goes into the pocket of the CEO right away, right? Sure. So what we do instead is we take that extra and we put it into an account that is for that team that, and that provides a little bit of a buffer. Okay. So if a client leaves and suddenly the team is a little bit short when it comes to making payroll, they have this account that they can use to keep the current staff until we replace uh, that client. And so it allows for us to have zero turnover due to client clients changing that those buffers often grow to these amounts that are like this team could operate for 12 months with no clients, you know, which is like way more than we need. So what we'll do is we'll cut off big chunks from that buffer and then we distribute to the team in bonuses. So, so not only are they rewarded in their time for being more efficient, they're also rewarded financially for being more efficient. So uh, 
they, they also have some autonomy over who they work with. So when we get a new account, uh, I'll look and say, okay, who has the best skill set for this account? And I'll identify a couple teams. And, you know, a team has the ability to say, hey, we're overloaded right now. Uh, this is this is too much for us. We're not going to take this. And then I go to the next team and they say, hey, this is great. Let's take it. And so they have some autonomy over which clients they work with and whether or not they take on new clients, which allows them to kind of self-regulate their workload and, and balance. There are, some, there are some small issues, but largely having those two systems combined uh, allow for uh, uh, problems with either system. They kind of compensate for each other. So I love the buffer system, and I get how, uh, that, how you reallocate that kind of payroll amount from the time saving. So if an eight-hour project, they find a way of innovating and doing it in two, you're not saying that they're only working two hours in that day instead of eight. You're saying there are six hours that are able to go to another project and they know that they're going to get a proportion financially of that six hours that's saved. Yeah. So it could be either. Uh, okay. It, it could be that they finish eight hours worth of work in two hours. And if the client's happy and the results are coming in, then they just did a, a full eight hour workday in two hours. Uh, and we're using numbers that really aren't realistic. It's more like six hours to for an eight hour project or something like that. Um, yeah. Yeah. So, but it could be, you know, they do it in two hours and like, Hey, give me some more stuff. I, I want to do some more work. And so, you know, they can, they can kind of, they have some autonomy of, of that too. Uh, so, so yeah, it can kind of go either way. So you're creating great retention engagement because you've given them autonomy, you're measuring them on results, you're rewarding them for being efficient with their time. What else do you think, if there is, all oh, those are brilliant, if there's anything else that you do that really helps with attracting and retaining the best talent, what would that be? Yeah, so we have um, some pretty amazing uh, benefits to Nice and Floor in addition to all the normal, uh, I, I, should, I don't know if you guys do 401k in the, in the UK or not. but Yeah, in terms of pension have, contributions, yeah. Yeah, yeah. so, so we'll, we match their, their contributions to their retirement. We pay for all of their health insurance. Um, uh, there's all that normal stuff. Plus row basically means unlimited vacation and work whenever you want, wherever you want. Um, so all of that, but then we also invest a lot in employee health. So, uh, every employee at nice and floor gets access to what's called steady MD and steady MD is basically an app on your phone. You have a doctor and anytime you want to see the doctor, you just send a little text message. The doctor will pop on your phone and say, Hey, what's going on? You don't have to schedule an appointment. You can see a doctor the exact same day and every Amazing. employee at nice and four gets that for free. Amazing. Um, we also pay for uh, full blood panels for all employees to take once a year, which has okay. been really cool. Some employees have caught some things early on. Really? Yeah. Mm -hmm. uh, so, so there's that uh, we uh, I'm not wearing mine right now, but we give every employee an aura ring that tracks their sleep and, um, and then we also uh, pay for these meditation pods, uh, float tanks. Have you heard of that? Oh, I have, yeah. They look amazing. So you like, yeah, you float in salt water. So every employee can go do that once a month. Uh, we, there's a lot of things around health. Oh, every employee has a blood sugar testing kit, uh, and, as well as like a full-on plan to help with blood sugar regulation. So there's lots of things in health that we provide. Um, and then there's also just, you know, like... It, it's, I feel like it's kind of an unfair advantage that we have because good talent begets good talent. Uh, like sure. a one, one benefit of working here is that you're surrounded by a bunch of really amazing people. Uh, so it's kind of like this tight knit club 
that no one wants to leave because you're just like, when else are you going to be surrounded by so many really smart, talented people? And that just like kind of builds on itself that, you know, there's a lot of, a lot of additional good things that I'm forgetting right now, but, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been a, a good ride. And I love the team that we've built. Like, I love everyone here at this company. I've never been at a company without like duds. You know, I remember a long time ago when I was a teenager, I used to work at this bagel shop and there was this guy that would go in the back and get high. And I was just like, so mad. I was like, fire him. Like I'm sitting here busting my butt, washing dishes all day. And this guy's out back getting high, like go fire him. And the manager's like, yeah, it doesn't matter. Like it was so demotivating that had such an sure. impact on me that yeah. I thought no one here at Nice and Floor is going to be a dud. Everyone's going to be an A player. And not only do you get so much out of everybody that's in the team, your reputation in the marketplace is a team of A players. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. I mean, referrals is our number one lead source. Uh, you know, we do work for a client and the client's like, hey, this is awesome. They move to another business and they bring us with them or they refer us to their their colleagues. That's that's like our best and most frequent lead source. Uh, and I think that's a, just a testament to the work that we do and the people that we have working here. Hi, Gavin here. Hey, you've been hearing me talk about recently the upcoming release of my new book, Survive and Thrive, How to Secure, Scale and Succeed in Business. To find out more, head over to www.surviveandthrive.cc. That's surviveandthrive.cc. You know, part one of the book is aimed at those that are literally in survival mode. If you want people that you owe money to to stop calling you and your team three times a day if you want to pump some more cash find out how you can pump some more cash into your business if you want to stop mate wasting money then part one of the book is for you part two is if you are tired of plateauing profits plateauing revenues and you want to sort you act out then in plain english straight down you know down to where pragmatic and practical style i'll show you the six steps the things that you need to do to get your business from you know poorly plateauing to vibrantly thriving. So head over to www.surviveandthrive.cc. So one of the things I know that um, you and the team are really hot on is around data and data analytics driving marketing campaigns. I'd love you to sort of explain a bit more about your, your approach and how, how how is that helping you get into great results? Yeah. The, the worst thing that people in marketing do, the worst thing that people in business do is they think to themselves, what do I think is good? What do I think would be a compelling campaign? What do I think would be a funny campaign? And the, the, the hint to all, you, all the marketers out there, nobody cares what you think. Yeah. That, has yeah. no, that should yeah. have no impact on your decisions. And I say this, there's, you know, I... I said, there's caveats to this, but largely it doesn't matter if you think that's funny or if you think that's engaging or you think that's a compelling call to action. None of that matters. You are not the market. Even if you are in the market, like if your market is, you know, 33 year old white guys, like, like me, like I could say I'm in the market. So whatever I think, but I'm still not the market I'm in it, but I'm not the whole market. So uh, and this goes back, I mean, there are so many social problems that we deal with in the world because people think that my experience is the same as everyone else's or my yeah, experience sure. and understanding of the world is complete. And the truth is it's not complete and it never yeah. will be. Yeah. So data is really interesting 
there's the cold hard side of data, but I like the warm fuzzy side of data, which is data is a key to expanding your sphere of understanding about how the world works and how other people think. And uh, so I'm interested primarily in data that shows me what a market is thinking and doing so that I can make wiser decisions with my marketing uh, than simply just going off of my gut. Uh, so the, the trick is how do I expand my sphere of understanding using data, right? And the beautiful thing is that we live in a world that is giving us more data than has ever given us before, right? Uh, you can gather so much information on a market without ever having to do a, a survey or a focus group like we had to do back in the 90s, right? So could you give me uh, an example about how somebody listening to yes. this is intrigued and goes, yeah, yeah, but where do I start? Where do I go to to gather this kind of data? Yes. So number one, most important source of data, not most important, but a, a great source of data is Google. So yeah. Google... Basically, people are going to Google and typing in their thoughts, hopes, dreams, desires, whatever they want, right? And they're giving it away, all that information through, through keywords. So if we can tap into that data, basically what we're doing is we're tapping into humanity's desires and what they're trying to find and look and get, right? And so if we can tap into that, then what we can do is say, okay, well, if this is what people are trying to find and wanting, then how can I tailor my product? Or how can I tailor my landing page or this piece of content to satiate that desire, that, that need, right? Uh, so the, the question becomes, how do we get that search data? Lots of ways. Don't use Google's Keyword Planner. Uh, I would use something other than Google's Keyword Planner. Uh, Ahrefs is, it's ahrefs.com. That's uh, one of my so favorite. Say that again, please, Paxton. Say that again. Yeah. Ahrefs. So A-H-R-E-F-S dot com. Yeah, okay. Great. Yep. Great tool to gather that that keyword data. Um, Another one that's a little bit cheaper than Ahrefs is called SpyFu, S-P-Y-F-U dot com. And uh, what SpyFu will do, and this is the the tactic that I recommend people take, and this is kind of, this is going to be a little bit of step-by-step if that's okay. Yeah, sure. Um, So I recommend you take your URL. And you plug it into SpyFu. SpyFu will tell you everything that you rank for. Uh, it'll give you the volume, how much each of those keywords are searched for per month. It'll tell you how much other people are willing to pay for ads for that keyword. So that's called suggested bid. And then it'll tell you the difficulty or how difficult it is to rank for that keyword organically, which is all the data you need. So you take your URL, you get everything you're ranking for and all that data, you export it as a CSV and you set it aside. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take three to five of your competitors, take each one of their URLs and plug them into SpyFu, get everything they rank for, all that data, export each of those as a CSV and set them aside. And then what you're going to do is you're going to take two or three, what I call micro publishers or publishers that are super hyper-focused about what it is you do. Um, and then you're going to plug them into SpyFu export all those keywords and that data and set it aside. Now we're going to take, now we have like eight CSVs full of keyword data and then we're going to combine them and then remove duplicates. And then what I'm left with now is this spreadsheet of 30 to 40,000 different keywords, all with their volume, suggested bid and difficulty. Now the trick becomes how do I sort through that 40,000 list of keywords to find the ones that are most relevant to me? So uh, I've actually built some, uh, a spreadsheet that your your listeners can download. Um, 
I, I should have prepared this. So if you search uh, 97th floor uh, advanced keyword research, uh, you'll, you, it'll bring you to a landing page where you can download a template for free. And uh, all you need to do is plug that giant CSV into my template and it will color code each of the keywords based off of how they compare to the others in that same column for that particular metric. Awesome. So all you need to do is just look for all the keywords that are green across the board. And as long as they're relevant, if they're green across the board and they're relevant, that is definitely a keyword you should be searching for or, or targeting. So then you can just say, okay, here's my list of keywords that I want to target. Are these going to be products? Are these going to be videos? Will they be podcasts? Will they be landing pages? Whatever. But you know there's desire behind it, right? There's volume there, which means people are looking for that thing. So all you need to do is turn around and provide it. Uh, I, I, I had mentioned earlier, I teach at a, at a university and there's this group that is uh, a student who has this small startup that sells belts that are made out of rubber. And right. uh, we did this keyword research process. And I think clothing found, belts as opposed to cam belts on cars. Oh, yes. Yep. Clothing belts. Cl uh -huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. And uh, so we did this keyword research process and we found there was this group of keywords. There was probably like seven or eight keywords that were all about belts for skiing and skiing belts and belts for ski pants. Well, really? the thing is, no one at the time was selling belts that were designed for skiing. And these guys are like, well, our belt is made out of rubber. So we're going to pivot. Instead of being a belt, this is now a ski belt. And they changed their whole website. They changed the positioning of their product. And now they rank for all those words that are about ski belts. Uh, so they found a hole in the market and they pivoted their product Amazing. to take advantage of that hole. Right. So it's just, there's uh, hundreds of things you can do with, with the data from Google. Um, so yeah, that's just, and that's just one data source. There are, there are dozens and dozens of other data sources that we should use to inform marketing. So would you, where else would you go to then? You know, so you, you've given an example of Google, but importantly with like SpyFu and Ahrefs, how you can mine and interpret that data. Um, so mm -hmm. would, would the, where would other sources be? Would Facebook be one, for example, and how would you mine the data out of that? Yeah, so uh, the, the number one uh I keep saying number one, this, the, another place I would go that yeah. every business should be looking at is Google Analytics. And Google okay. Analytics is, has, has kind of the obvious metrics that you're looking at, but then there's kind of a layer deeper that you can get into to see really what's happening. So like you can go in and everyone knows or should know how to get like look at traffic that comes to your site, filter by source and, and things like that. And you can see conversion data. You should have conversions set up. Uh, to track how each traffic source are, are performing in terms of conversions. Um, however, it gets really interesting when you start to segment the data in Google Analytics by other metrics outside of traffic source, like uh, uh, demographic data or geographic data. And then uh, another thing that you can do within Google Analytics or Google Optimize is uh, conversion rate optimization or A-B testing. That's something that... Um, again, backs up this idea that we have no idea what our market wants. We have to let the sure. data show that. So, you know, I have dozens of examples of, of landing pages and I could, you know, I could show you here's version A and here's version B. Which one do you think converted the most? Everyone always guesses wrong. It was this ugly version converted way better than this one that you thought looked nice and pretty or whatever. So uh, using Google Analytics to, to see how conversions are happening and looking through that flow and what users are doing, using heat mapping, so Hotjar is another tool I'd recommend everyone install on their site. And Hotjar will show you 
how far down the page people are scrolling. It'll show you what things they're clicking on. It'll show you user recording so you can see their mouse and see where they go on your site and where they get hung up. And uh, so that's a really great tool to see like where people are getting hung up in your conversion process. Uh, and then uh, using something like Optimizely or Google Optimize to run A-B testing and get data behind like what your market actually wants from a landing page, from an email, from an ad, from uh, a call to action or a pricing page or whatever. Uh, there should be nothing on your site really that's attached to conversions somehow that doesn't uh, uh, get some some form of conversion optimization. Wow. Which frankly right now is super crucial because a lot of for a lot of people traffic numbers are down and uh, advertising is getting more and more expensive as traffic goes down. So the trick becomes how do I squeeze more juice from this orange? And the way one way to do that is through conversion rate optimizations because we're basically saying if traffic doesn't change, what can I do to improve conversions? And by making those small tweaks in your site through A-B testing, you can squeeze more uh, from the existing amount of traffic that you're getting. Roughly, how what percentage of businesses go to this level of data um, like mining and then in, in analysis? Um, I don't know. Less than 10%? Uh, I would probably say the ones that are doing it all the way, yeah, probably less than 10%. Wow. What a massive opportunity. Yeah, yeah, yeah. definitely. There, I mean, there's so much out there. And that's the thing is uh, most most leadership in companies don't fully grasp all the power that is there just at their fingertips. You don't need massive budgets and massive teams to be able to get into this. What you do need is the know-how and the, uh, uh, I guess, the know-how and, and being aware of these opportunities to be able to take advantage of them, which, which is difficult when you're balance, balancing a ton of other things and HR and this and over here, like it's hard to, to, to do it completely. Um, most businesses can and should be diving more into. You this. think a lot of marketing campaigns are probably based around the creatives rather than around the data and the conversion optimization. So, um, yeah. and imagine one of the reasons why your clients, or the reason why your clients, are just blown away with what you achieve is because you're ramping their conversion ratio significantly. Yep. Yeah, we have a client, uh, Coyo. They sell like really high-end leather sneakers, uh, okay. and they're based in Italy. And uh, what's crazy is. Uh, Italy, yeah, if we remember way, way, way back three months ago, like, <laughs> yeah. it seems like eternities ago, yeah. Italy was, was slammed with coronavirus. Oh, yeah. it, was, it was ground zero for coronavirus. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And it was right in the middle of that, that we were running AB testing on some of their conversion pages. And uh, we found a variant that increased conversions by 25%, which equated wow. to a huge increase in revenue in the middle of like a severe pandemic when the entire country was shut down. So just the power of conversion optimization is it's right now is so crucial. There's also been some big announcements from Google about page experience. And uh, next year, like this update is so big, they're going to be giving us a six-month head start. Uh, and it's centered around page experience and the experience that people have on, on your site as a ranking factor. So there's a lot that goes into this. It's it's really complex, and there's a lot we don't know, frankly. But improving the people, uh, your customers' experience through something like conversion rate optimization is going to be crucial in preparing for an update like this. So this is something I would have people definitely be looking at. Phenomenal. Uh, I, I'd imagine that you guys come 
across like magicians at times when you can find these these areas of you know that can it can create a spike of 25 percent increase in, in conversion and we just think my god you guys are wizard of oz or something <laughs> yeah now well, yeah go ahead and do you find that more and more uh, marketing teams and digital agencies are, are are taking this approach or are you are you and your team you know, sort of uh, on the leading edge of the frontier with this stuff. Yeah, I think uh, with some things we're we're on the the leading edge, like that keyword research process that I built out. Like we have some software that we've built that does all of that automatically, very quickly, and we have a, a, a um, patent on that process. Amazing. So, uh, so no one does keyword research the way we do it. I, there's there's other people that that do conversionary optimization and and A/B testing and that's good. People should be doing that across the web. That just makes the internet, frankly, a better place uh, for consumers. Um, so what I think is kind of unique to Nice and Floor though is how we organize. We don't have siloed departments. Every team has someone on it who is specialist in SEO, in content, in email, in advertising, in in conversionary optimization, in design, and that team all is always together. They, they, they work on the same book of business uh, for, for months together. And so um, what that allows is for us to create these campaigns that are not bound by tradition or bound by our own understanding, but we weave together all of these different tools and opportunities for the client in their custom unique situation to achieve their desired outcome. And so that's how like, that's how we define creativity is really just being aware of all of your options and knowing right. how to take advantage of those options for, for the desired outcome. And your focus is specifically on search engine optimization as opposed to sort of social media marketing campaigns? No. So our focus is digital, entirely digital. We don't do any traditional, we don't do print or any of that stuff. Uh, so we do social media, we'll do uh, advertising uh, both on search as well as social ads uh, and then email marketing uh, content, uh, marketing and design. So those are kind of our main areas of focus. And what do you see some of the mistakes that businesses, companies are making in the marketing space? The biggest mistake is it kind of goes back to what I talked about before, which is they're not focused on the customer, which sounds crazy. And a lot of them would say they are, and I think they are in many ways, but the marketing needs to be focused on the customer. And really the way to do that, if you're building a marketing team, you need to make sure that the metrics that the marketing team is focused on are customer-centered metrics. Uh, think about it like your customers are leaving footprints all over your business. Those metrics should be unearthing and discovering those footprints uh, from, from the very beginning to the very end in, in, in conversions. So a lot, of, uh, uh, I, a lot of businesses feel like marketing is just extended part of sales which I think in some ways that's true. But I think a better way to think about marketing is to think about it as though it's an extension to your customer service department. Because marketing, really great marketing, is going to facilitate a conversion and help walk with your client, all your customer, all the way through to conversion and then beyond into delight and referrals. Uh, whereas if the, if the marketing team has a mindset of sales, which, is, which isn't always but could be, uh, you know, I'm going to hunt and I'm going to force and I'm going to push these people through a funnel. I think that creates a very business centered uh, uh, marketing campaign rather than what it should be, which is a customer centered campaign. I almost view it like 
the marketing team, they don't work for your business. They work for your clients, your customers. And their job is to be the advocate of the customers to the business, similar to how customer service is an advocate of, of the customer. So, which is kind of a different mindset. So I think that's, that's what a lot of businesses are getting wrong is, is they're looking for and like hell bent on ROI and marketing and ROI needs to be there. Don't get me wrong. You have to have ROI, but the marketing team themselves should be more focused on how do I make the lives of my target market better? How do I help them achieve what they want to achieve and help them in the conversion process rather than force them for the benefit of the business? Love that. Marketing teams don't work for your business. They work for your customers. And that whole shift in focus around, you're basically right from almost inception, that customer-centric focus means that you're going to be delighting your customer even before they know that you're, they are your customer. Exactly. And yep. that's what's going to attract them. And, and frankly, that what that does is that creates raving fans. For raving sure. Raving fans will do most of your work for you. If yeah, you can just build, build, their, build their fandom. Not only is it clever, it's authentically um, and ethically robust. It's exactly how it should be that you're there to make sure you deliver the best result for your customers. And you, yeah, you get away from that idea that they're being sold to. You're just saying, hey, I want to share with you how we can help you achieve your goals. Exactly. Yep. So as a result of taking that approach and, being, and evidencing that through case studies, you're conversion rate in terms of your pitches must be really high. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, it's tricky because you can't be, you know, our, like our own internal marketing team for a long time, they were just so lead focused. It's just about lead gen, lead gen, lead gen, lead gen. And then now we're making this shift where it's like, it's not quite about lead gen as much. Like we need to track leads and, and, you know, we want to convert leads obviously, but what I want you focused more on is understanding that person. And how can we at 97 Floor make their lives easier? That's the goal here. That's the goal of marketing is becoming an advocate and understanding. And then when it goes to the sales process, the sales becomes less about um, uh, converting the customer. The customer's already converted. It's just more now talking details about what needs to get done and whether or not we align with what they want rather than convincing the customer, which frankly is just a, easier job for everybody and a more pleasant experience for everyone. And how as a team, you know, you, you're working in a, in a space that's fast moving, you know, Google's changing its algorithms, social media platforms change their algorithms. How, uh, how do you guys keep on top of all of that and all those changes? So education is a huge focus of us, of ours at 97th floor. Um, so, I mean, we have the 97th floor book club, you know, they're right behind my computer screen here. I have, uh, probably like 50 different books that we've read over the course of the past six years. Um, so learning is huge. And to that end, uh, every single week, each uh, discipline at Nice and Floor meets together. They come from the different teams and they meet together to share what they're seeing, new updates in the industry, new tests that they've run. If they have a, a tricky account they're working on, they'll come together and brainstorm on how to solve that problem. Brilliant. And so those weekly meetings keep everyone really fresh in terms yeah. of in, in what's going on. Uh, and then we also uh, send employees out to conferences and, and uh, we'll, we'll pay for trainings for anyone that they want to take. Um, and uh, we also have VPs that lead each discipline and a huge percentage of their time is dedicated to testing new 
tactics that if those tests work, then they've spread that learning to the rest of the department, the rest of the company. So yeah, staying at the forefront is crucial for us. If we fall behind, then I mean, that's what people come to an agency for. Uh, you know, we're working on just a ton of accounts all day and that allows us to see what's happening. But if you come to an agency and you're not getting innovation, you're not getting new things and, and new tests, uh, then that's part of what you're paying for at an agency is that innovation. Sure. And of course, that speaks to your earlier point about uh, Dan Pink's book, Drive, about the three common things around um, autonomy, mastery and purpose. Education being at the heart of what you do speaks to the mastery of those three. So yes. I think I kind of want like a final point to to speak on. Uh, how do you bring the purpose piece of that uh, trifecta alive uh, in 97th floor? Yeah, so... Um... That, that's a really important and a little bit more of a squishy one. Um, our mission as a company is to elevate people and brands that, that we believe in. And uh, what that means is obviously we're going to work for companies and, and help them grow. Um, but elevating people we believe in is about elevating our clients. Like our points of contact, we kind of view as separate from the whole company. How can we elevate them as an individual? And then we say, how, do, how can we elevate every person here at 97 floor? Uh, and so uh, twice a year, I meet with every full-time employee. I sit down with them. We spend a half an hour and we talk about some of their feedback on our, on our agency, some things they, that, they, that could improve their ideas. Um, but a huge part of what we talk about is what it is they want to be achieving in the next six months and in their career. Uh, I think a, 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 how an effective team is built is by number one, understanding what the people on your team want to achieve. And then number two, figuring out how to build a structure that allows them to achieve that while also allowing your business to grow and, and continue to remain healthy. So uh, so for us, the purpose uh, of even having a business is not about profits. It's not about money. It's really just about like the company. And, and a company is not nice and floor a company is a group of people we 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 combine we 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 gather together and we try to achieve some something right and so this group of people at nice and floor is gathered together and the point of us existing the point of us gathering together is to make each other better if if we reach a point where we get you know hundreds of millions of dollars in revenue but everyone is worse off that's that's not even that's not worth doing that's not something i'm interested in building here uh, what I want to build is a company that people look back on their time as think, man, those were the golden days. I, I miss my time at 97th floor. I loved 97th floor. Um, we have uh, an alumni network. Every person that's ever worked at 97th floor gets added to this alumni network. And we gather together about once a year. We'll go golfing or we do something and just to, just to stay close and keep in touch. And it's been it's been interesting and touching to, to come back and see all the friends that have come and, and worked at Nice and Floor over the years, and to see how many people are still interested in coming to these alumni events, even though they haven't worked here in six years. Uh, so that that's the purpose. That's why we're all gathered together. Um, and again, like I said, it's a little more squishy than the others, but uh, we're building something bigger than ourselves, and we're building something important here. So with absolute respect, you have the wisdom and insight of somebody, of a CEO, 20 years more experience than you. <laughs> And kind. what do you think has enabled you to get that? Um, 
I, I think about this a lot. Um, the, the, the people here really genuinely mean a lot to me. Um, I can say that. Yeah, I can feel there, it. there have been times when I thought I need to go start my own company. Like it's just in my blood. I have to start something. But then I realized if I started something, I would just want to start the same thing that I, we've got mm. here because I love this company and these people so much. And, and that love for, for what we're doing and for this company, for these people makes it easy for me to invest a lot of my time and thought into what we're building. Um, it sounds cheesy, but it's like, you know, do work, do what you love. And you'll never work a day in your life. It's, you know, I spend a lot of my time thinking about this. And so, you know, I think while some other people might be playing video games or watching TV or something like that, I'm thinking about what we're doing here. And that's not to say I never relax, but I think that helps. But I also think sure. you're giving me too much credit. There's, there's, I mean, it was already a great company before I even started here. And it's been, it's been a good, really good base to, to build on. So if anybody wants to find out more about 97th Floor, to tap into the magician's uh, impact that uh, you and your team can do around data-driven campaigns, how do they do so? Yeah, so you could reach out to, uh, go to our website, 97thfloor.com. That's 97thfloor.com. And uh, you can check out some of our case studies, some of the things that we do. And then there's a contact form you can fill out and we'll give you a call if, if you want to talk more. Um, and then, yeah, go go check out that keyword research template. Again, if you just, I need to get the URL. If you just Google 97th floor advanced keyword research, it should be the number one result. And then you can just click on that and then download the template. And then I also have a webinar on that same page that you can watch where I walk you through step-by-step step on how to do it so that, because I'm sure everyone remembered exactly what I said in that whole process. <laughs> yeah, yeah, for sure. <laughs> you might have to find yourself rewinding it and going back. Uh, a stack of, a ton of value in there, you know, from, you know, importance about um, results only work and ROW environment, about how you're wanting to bring alive Dan Pink's work in Drive, the book Drive, you know, around autonomy, mastery, and purpose. Um, great quotes like good talent begets good talent and what you're doing to attract and retain them and then the dive that we did into sort of the analytics and google and references like ahrefs and spyfu and um yeah the the, the google analytics and the ge geographic and demographic testing and the ab testing wow we've covered loads of grounds <laughs> and that you know you heard it here first about google stuff around uh, its algorithm change in 2021 about page experience uh, Paxton, thank you. Yeah, ton of value. Thank you so much. And um, we said just before we press record that um, you guys are actually only just facing the prospect of a lockdown. So uh, um, yeah. I, I hope that goes okay for you guys. And uh, I'm sure with uh, the, everything that shines through within your culture and your experience of being able to turn things around and increasing 25% extra conversions in Italy, you're going to have a next, <laughs> good few months in the coming yeah. months. <laughs> Yeah, well, thank great. you. This has been uh, fun. You're, you're a great host. I, I really like this. is a great experience. This is fun. Thank you, sir. I really appreciate that. And uh, yeah, really enjoyed that conversation. Thanks, Paxton. Likewise. Okay. I thoroughly enjoyed that. My key takeaways or course corrections, like I like to say at the end of each chapter in the Survive and Thrive book, are ROW, results only work. I've been saying for some time, many years with clients, and when I formerly when I worked in the role of training people in larger corporates uh, around leadership and management, I was advocating that you measure people on their output, on the deliverables, not on the input, the time, and that ROW results only work epitomizes that. 
Great reminder, the Dan Pink three sort of tenets of his book Drive. Phenomenal book if you haven't read it. It's about motivation 2.0, but he talks about you're going to get the best motivation engagement by working on three areas of autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And Paxton really articulates wonderfully how at 97th floor, they achieve each of those three things of autonomy, mastery, and purpose. And then finally, for me, the sort of data uh, insights in terms of uh, how to increase your conversion rate and also find new market potential niches, like his example of the ski belt by using tools such as SpyFu or Ahrefs. So yeah, go along to his website, download the uh, advanced keyword, search for 97th floor advanced keyword research tool, and um, I'm sure you'll find that a really effective and uh, powerful resource for you going forward. Have a great week. You've been listening to the Business Mastermind podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate and review so that more people like you can get their business back on their own terms, enjoy more success and create more impact.